471. 471. Let's sing Mansion Over the Hilltop. Let's sing all the stanza of this song. And we request all to stand as we sing this song. Let's sing the first, second, and the last stanza of Mansion Over the Hilltop.
our theme song for the conference, and let's sing a couple of verses of it right now, Charlie. <laughs> Thank you. 
My need. 
Well, it's a blessing this year to be back again for the prayer conference. It's always a great opportunity every year. I look forward to coming and being a part of this meeting. I'm excited about it this year. And I want to begin by saying I want to thank the students and the staff of Marietta Bible College for praying for my wife. Appreciate your prayers. You've been faithful uh, about that. She's doing better. And uh, she's on, on the men. Uh, she's had a stem cell transplant. And uh, her counts are up, and her cancer markers are down, and uh, she's doing much better. And uh, in just about six weeks, we'll celebrate our 50-year wedding anniversary. We're excited about that. Uh, I'm praying God to keep her strong for that, and we're excited about that this coming year. We're looking forward to her moving on, getting stronger, getting back in church, and, and being a part of the ministry again. And she has been with me all these years in the ministry, and I'm thankful, and I appreciate the prayers and sincere prayers. Appreciate Pastor Miss Goller and her faithfulness here over these many years uh, to this school and to this church. And it's just an exciting thing tonight just to be here and be a part of this. But we just have today. We're looking forward to what God has for us today. I appreciate the preachers here uh, in this meeting every year. I look forward to meeting them. Sometimes don't see them at all between uh, one January to the next. But we're always, it's always good to get together and, and to uh, catch up on what's been going on, pray for each other, pray for the churches. And it's just a special blessing. Look with me tonight to the book of Habakkuk. The little book of Habakkuk. I want to begin there tonight in chapter 3 of the book of Habakkuk. I want to just use two verses tonight for the time that I have. And I want, to, I want us to concentrate on revival and prayer. Revival and prayer. I've been preaching in my church about on the subject of revival. I did last Sunday from 2 Chronicles 7, 14. I believe with all my heart that we are very ripe for revival. I know we're living in dark days, and we're living in a time when we need God to intervene. I believe it's time for us as believers to cry out to God to please send revival. We need it in our country. And we, I won't get into all those details. You know the shape we're in today, what we're going through in our, in our society, in our culture. We're a long way from where God wants us to be as believers and, and a long way from where God wants us to be as a nation. And I'm praying for God to send revival. And I want to use this time tonight to ask you as an individual and as a school body and a staff of the school and pastors and, and church members to take it on yourself individually, and I'm sure many of you already do, regularly pray, God, please send a revival. We need a revival. In the history of our nation, we've seen a couple of spiritual awakenings under the times of the Wesleys. They've been a spiritual movement and a revival take place in Wales and in England. We've seen a movement of God. And today, in 2018, there's some good churches in America doing some good things, and there's a lot of activity going on in churches across our land, but we're not seeing revival. We're not seeing a movement of God that's going to change a culture or change our nation or even change a community, and I'm praying that God would send us a revival. I love the little book of Habakkuk. I like to preach from it. I have several times. There's something about this little book that God just uses in my life and encourages me and strengthens me. Habakkuk was a man, a prophet that saw what God was doing, but he couldn't figure out uh, how to, even how to pray or what God was going to do 
in this situation. He, he couldn't understand why, um, why God was allowing things to go like they were with his people and why he didn't bring judgment on them. And then when God did bring judgment, he didn't understand why he used Babylon to do that. And he was really kind of confused about what God was doing, but he stayed faithful. And I, want, I know tonight each one of us can say many times we don't know what God's doing or we don't understand how he's doing it, but he just wants us to remain faithful. And Habakkuk said, I'll just sit and wait. I'll just sit on my tower and watch and see what God does. But here in chapter 3, this prayer that Habakkuk prayed is where I want us to think about tonight for a little while. He said in verse 2, O Lord, I have heard thy speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of years. In the midst of the years make known. In wrath, remember mercy. God wants us to call out to him in prayer. And if we're going to see revival in America, it's going to take God's people praying. If you study revival in the Word of God, and you can find at least 16 revivals throughout the Word of God, how God moved in a special way, it began most of all with one or two people. God moving in the heart of just a few people. It was always directed towards God's people. Revival is not directed to the world. It's it is directed to God's people. That's why he said in 2 Chronicles 7, 14, if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked way. If my people, he's talking about God's people. So to see revival, it's directed towards God's people getting a hold of what God wants in our life. And it's going to take us praying, God, send a revival and let it begin in me. Let it begin in my heart. Lord, search me and try me. Know my way. See if there's any wicked way in me. If we're going to see revival, and, and we're praying for that, and many times in our society, in our day, in our generation, we've probably misused that term a little bit because we have all advertised we're having a revival meeting next week or we're having revival services this weekend and, and we all really know that we can't schedule a revival. We can schedule a meeting, we can call a preacher, we can have singing, but we can't order up a revival. Revival must come from God. And so we're seeking for God to send a revival into our meeting. And I, I understand we all know that, but we use that term sometimes and we don't, we don't fully understand what we're asking for, I think, when we set up a meeting for revival and asking God to do what we cannot do is ought, ought to be our prayer. Now, we know it takes some things for revival. It takes a preacher. That's why we have evangelists and, and pastors and preachers to preach a revival. And getting a preacher... To preach a revival is a very important thing. It's good to have great singing. There's been great singing in this meeting this morning and tonight. Warms my heart and stirs me, and I can tell it does you too. There's no doubt about that. It takes good singing. And if we're going to see revival, we're going to have to spread the word, to go out and to witness and to tell people about Christ and to make him known in our community or where the meeting is going to be. We've got to have that. And, of course, it takes a group of people to come together if you're going to have a good meeting. We have special meetings. We advertise. We try to get people in. We have special days, special nights, have friend date, do everything we can to gather people together, and that's great, and we should. I do it, and I'm sure every other church that's trying to, to have a meeting will do that, but the most important thing 
that we need to do is pray. All those other things will be in vain if we don't pray. And if we don't pray, we're not going to see God send revival. And so we know tonight as we're having this prayer conference, we're focusing on this thing of prayer. And his disciples said in Luke chapter 11, verse 1, it came to pass as he was praying to certain places and he ceased, one of his disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. As John taught his disciples. Teach us to pray. And tonight I want us to think about praying for revival. If we begin to pray for a revival, Lord, send a revival to my heart. Send a revival to my home. Send a revival to my community. Send a revival to my county, to my country. Send a revival to our nation. I'm praying that God will send a great revival. And I'm not wanting to say I want it to be in my church. I don't, I'm not saying that and wants to start here. I want it to start in me. I want it to start in one of my members. I like to see it start in a member of a church up the road. I want God to do something somewhere to spark a revival in this country like we've never experienced. I still believe God's going to do it. I hear people say, and that, that's up to them. Many people, have, I've heard men say, it's too late. We went past. We went past that time. It's too late. We cannot turn this thing around. I believe we're serving a God that can do anything. Lord God, there's nothing too hard for thee, and I'm trusting for him tonight. A reviving of that, which is something that has had life. So I believe for revival, we need to pray, God, send a revival to our churches. To our churches. Some, some churches that have been alive and well and vibrant in the communities around our country, seeing people saved. I've, I've seen pictures in our church. Our church is 117 years old. I've looked back through the archives of our church and brought up pictures where they had baptizings down in the Holston River. They'd baptize 30 and 40 people at a time. There'd be hundreds of people gathered around that creek watching that baptizing. Sometimes those revivals in that community where I lived in the southwest Virginia, some of those churches, would, I've seen the history of them going five weeks, seven weeks, ten weeks, many people being saved, entire families being saved. How long has it been since we've seen that? It's been a long time. It's been a long time. But we're serving the same God. God can still do it, and I believe he will do it, but we need to pray. And one of the things I want to encourage you tonight is this. Pray for a warming of the heart. God, warm my heart. Warmed by the Spirit of God. Only God can do that. I love good singing, and I know you do too. And I love to hear when the Spirit of God moves on these singers, and they sing these songs that stirs my heart, and I've had God to move in that. But you know and I know, as you sometimes are alone with God, reading your Bible, studying, maybe you've got to use one verse to just really jump out of the page and warm your heart because that's the Spirit of God speaking to us. And if we want revival in our lives, if we want revival in our church and our community, we need to pray, Lord, help me. Don't let my heart get cold. Don't let my heart get cold. 
Mark made a comment this morning, Mark Colburn, in his message that really jumped out at me, talking about ministering to the homeless, trying to find these people over in Lee County in Kentucky who were hungry and homeless and trying to help them. Many times they wouldn't come to the door to get the food and didn't know where they were. They were moving. Some of them running from the law. Some of them didn't want to be seen. They were hiding out. And, and, and people would say, why are you trying to help these people that don't even want any help? Listen, that's exactly what we're doing in church. We're trying to help people many times that don't even want help. But God is the one that's going to help them. We can't help them, but God will. Many times you're preaching to people who don't really even want to hear it. But God wants us to preach it, and he wants them to hear it. And we've got to pray, Lord, don't let my heart get cold. Don't let me get used to Christianity. Don't let me get used to these services. But God, give me a warm heart. For revival, stir my heart as only you can do. You know, this is illustrated very clearly in the scriptures for us. When these two men walked along the Emmaus Road after the res on the resurrection day, and when Jesus joined them there, walking with them on the road to Emmaus, and they didn't recognize him, didn't know what or what, who he was, and, and, and Jesus joined them and he said, what manner of communications are these that you're having? You're walking along here? He asked them, why are you so sad as you walk? And they informed him, Lord, have you heard? Have you heard what happened about Jesus' death and what took place there? And he gave a message concerning himself. And they were burdened down and broken. But after their eyes were opened and they knew him, after their eyes were opened, they realized what they just experienced. The Bible said in Luke 24, 32, did not our hurt burn within us while we were by the way? They got in the presence of Jesus and it warmed their heart. And that's what we need as a child of God. We need to get in the presence of God. Get alone with Him in our prayer closet. Get alone with Him in the Word of God and let Him warm our heart. Listen, serving God as a Christian, as a pastor, as a missionary, as a lay person, being involved in church ministry, sometimes our hearts can get cold. We can go through the motions. We can just serve God uh, because that's what we've been asked to do. We want to we be a steward of what God's given us. But it ought to stir our hearts. It ought to warm our hearts. We have a jail ministry. As Brother Mark was talking about his jail ministry. We have a jail ministry at our church. We have a, a Reformers Unanimous ministry. And we're blessed to be able to go into Southwest Regional Jail on Tuesday nights. And we're able to go in there on Thursday nights with our Reformers meeting. And they send us men. And we get to, we get to teach them the Word of God and, and, and disciple them through uh, Christian discipleship. We get to share with them. Now we have a man in our church, an evangelist. And he gets to go down and be a chaplain in that jail on Wednesdays. Preaches there twice every Wednesday in business during the week. And in that jail, there was a young man. I wasn't there the night that that man talked to him, but he was a young man that grew up in our youth group. And he got off on drugs, got his life off track. And he told this man that was doing the teaching that night in our youth program, he said, in that jail cell, hundreds of times I've rehearsed the messages I heard when I was at Chihuahua Baptist Youth Camp at Beattyville, Kentucky. I can tell you the title of the messages. I can tell you who spoke the message. And he said, God brought it back to my mind over and over and over again. God had to get him arrested to get his attention again. His heart had got cold. He got away from God. And he moved in the wrong direction. And he needed to get a hold of God once again. And when he did, now his heart's on fire for the Lord. So we need to pray, Lord, give us a warm heart. Give us a warm heart. Set, us, set our soul on fire 
for the things of God. We need to pray for a clean heart. God, give me a clean heart. Sincere prayer. Listen, sincere prayer will always cause you to face your sin. There's nothing more revealing than prayer. I challenge our church, and since I do that, I don't want to be hypocritical. I practice myself. When I pray, I want to pray specific. Not, Lord, forgive me for all my sins. That's an easy thing to pray. But, Lord, forgive me for that word I said today out of line. Forgive me for taking that second look today that I shouldn't have took. Forgive me for saying those things on the phone in that conversation that I probably shouldn't have had. We're all just flesh. We're all fighting the flesh. The natural man's going to be there as long as you're breathing. We're going to be battling the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And what God says to us, if you confess your sin, if we confess, he's just and faithful, forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Sometimes after we've served the Lord and we're faithful, we're in church, we're doing the work of God, we forget how easy those sins creep into our life, those things that, we, that we're not proud of, that we wouldn't want to be announced. But when we pray, God can give us a clean heart if we're honest with him. If we come out with him. I always think of David when, when, when God sent him the prophet Nathan to him and told him all the things and, and David got stirred up in his heart but when Nathan said to him, David, you're the man. You're the one. You're the one he's talking about. You're the one that's sinned. David cried out to God with a broken heart because he realized his heart was dirty and he was away from God. We've got to pray, God, give me a clean heart. We've got to turn from those things that cause us to let our heart get cold. And we can do that. We can let our heart get cold. We're all prone to excuse ourselves. We're all prone to excuse ourselves. I hear people all the time when they don't want to forgive someone say, well, I know God tells me to forgive them and I want to forgive them, but you don't know what they did. You don't know how bad they hurt me. You don't know how deep this goes. You know what the truth of that is according to the word of God? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all. It has no bearing on the fact. God says forgive him. What if he hadn't forgive you? What if he hadn't forgive you for your sins? What if he would have made a difference and said in you, I, I love you, I love him and I love her, but they just went so far I'm not going to forgive him. No, he loves us anyway. So we've got to pray, Lord, give me a clean heart. Because the Bible says, he that covereth his sin will not prosper. Don't ever make an excuse for your sin. And make light of it. And make sure that you understand when you pray, Lord, I want a clean heart. I want to love others as Christ loved me. I want to forgive others as Christ forgive me. I don't want my heart to get cold or my heart to get hard in the ministry. I want God to use me in a very special way. You know, it's easy sometimes to let an unforgiving spirit get into our heart. We want God to overlook our sin, forgive us of our sin, but we don't want to forgive others. So if we need to ask God, Lord, give me a warm heart. Give me a clean heart. We need to pray this prayer. 
Lord, give me a burden for souls. It burdens me sometimes when I don't see in other Christians, other people. And sometimes I have to search my own heart for a clean heart. Lord, give me, renew that burden in me. Renew that burden in me for souls to see others converted. It's a blessing to know we're saved and on our way to heaven, our names written in the Lamb's book of life. What a blessing that is. But we ought to have a burden for those who don't know him. A burden for those who have not yet been saved. In, in some cases, you, you know, God will give you a burden for souls, but if you don't pray and continue to pray and continue to pray, sometimes that burden will leave you. You'll get it off your mind or you'll get off track and you'll not get back to where God wants you to be in that burden. He wants us to get that burden for souls that's not going to leave us. We're going to be on our face before him. We, we need to get a glimpse of the Savior dying for us. See, the girl saying, I can trust Jesus. He's been good to me. We can all pray that prayer and sing that song. He's been good to us. And we ought to have a new burden. We ought to read our Bible and ask God to give us a, a new vision and a new burden as we study and read his word and think about the awfulness of an eternal hell. Just think today as we've met here on this Monday for a prayer conference, how many people have plunged into hell. Well, to be reminded of that and think about that. There's people dying and going to hell every single minute. And they ought to burden our hearts with them. Well, we can't save them all. We can't do it all. We can't reach them all. But we can reach some. And we can reach one. We ought to have that burden. All across this land today, people are hearing the gospel. I say, I should say all around the world. People are hearing the gospel. Opportunities to be saved. And we ought to have a vision for that. God, give us a greater vision. A deeper burden. We may not all go to a mission field or to a foreign field or plant a church in America, but we can pray for those who are and be on their prayer list. Be faithful to pray for what God's doing. Me encourage you tonight before I close on this burden. Pray for sinners by name. Pray for sinners by name. I challenged our church to do that this past August. And they brought in a stack of names about that tall. And we prayed for them. We had 24-hour prayer vigils. We prayed in the mornings and certain days of the week. We prayed in the evenings on certain days of the week. We prayed for that meeting and God heard our prayer. And we saw people saved during that meeting. Some of them are on that list and some of them are in our church right now because someone got under a burden and prayed. God saved them but they had the burden and prayed and God heard that prayer. Like Habakkuk said, oh Lord, I've heard thy speech and I was afraid. You know, when God hears our prayer, he's going to answer our prayer. He's, he's promised that. In Jeremiah 33, 3, call unto me, and I will answer thee. That's the promise that's there. I will answer thee, and I'll show you some great and mighty things that you know not. So when we pray, we ought to be ready. We ought to be ready to witness to others. We ought to be prepared to witness I'm not as faithful as I know I should be in witnessing. We can't ever underestimate 
the need to be a faithful witness. This past year, I went down to my son's church down in Athens, Tennessee, and preached a Sunday on Heritage Day. I preached all day. Well, that Saturday morning, we had a men's prayer meeting, and I preached at that men's prayer meeting. I came in the church, there was in the fellowship hall, there was about 30 men in there, and I sat down, and the man beside me talked a minute, and I introduced myself. He reached in his pocket and pulled out a track. He said, see that track? He said, the Lord used that 35 years ago. I was on vacation with my family, and I was on a ferry boat in my car. We were getting ready to, the ferry boat was getting ready to sail off, and they had made the announcements. We're getting ready to push away. Everyone be prepared. He said, a man walked by me, headed into the lounge, and just reached in his pocket and handed me this track in the window. So I never saw him again. I don't have any idea who he was or what his name was. But he said that night in the motel, I looked at that track and God broke my heart. He said, I've been serving God for 30 years. He was a deacon in the church. Just a track handed in the window. We never know what God's going to do. It's not about us, it's about him. And hey, he can use anything he wants to, any means he wants to, but we've got to have a burden to at least do what God's asked us to do. He wants us to go. He wants us to pray. He wants us to preach. He wants us to serve. Whatever he's asked us to do, we've got to have a burden to do that. If you're going to be used of God, if I'm going to be used of God, we're going to have to be men and women of prayer and give our hearts to prayer. This conference always stirs me up for prayer. It helps me. It helps me a lot to come here. It stirs me up every year and I'm thankful for the opportunity he gives us to be in this service. To see men who encourage me. I appreciate Brother Dan. Man, we, we just know each other from here. <laughs> but every time I see him, he's an encouragement. Many of you folks I just know from here, but what an encouragement. And I just want to challenge you tonight, leave you with this word. If we're going to ask God to do something in our lives, we're going to have to be men and women of prayer. Pray, God, send a revival, and let it begin in me. Bless you. Bless you, God.